0: The You Haven't Seen That movie podcast is funded by you. Thank you. Support the show by going to patreon.com slash WDM1. Hello, everyone. and. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Haven't Seen That Movie Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where my guests and I watch a famous movie I've never seen before and discuss it. This week, we're talking about Jackie Brown, a 1997 classic starring Pam Greer and Samuel L. Jackson. I'm your host, David Lonnie Waters, and in my guest chair today, we have Christy Ingram. Hi. You you looked at me with that that look like I've I've. Do you know that you're only the second person ever to be um, a return return guest?
1: Kind of a bummer, David. I wanted to be the first. Oh, I'm mega competitive. So <laughs> well, you lost that one. How does that yeah. make you feel? No. <laughs> i feel like i should just leave <laughs> uh, oh damn podcast over thanks for coming bye yeah.
0: christy and i just got done um eating some fast food chinese oh so good. it's called oriental express it's here at Den, and we love it it's just so good and
1: yeah classic drunk food even though we're sober so uh speak yeah. for yourself oh well. i'm just kidding <laughs> that's funny i need to hop on the train apparently <laughs> right no i i am currently high on frio's ice cream so yeah mm.
0: so, yes that's the other thing we got and i love the i love i don't know popsicles are just a they're guilty pleasure but i hate those ones that come in like the you know like the big like fucking frozen like they look like they're in a fucking sonic bag or whatever and they're just like they're the ones that in the fucking tubes you know and they fucking cut your mouth those are delicious no no they suck because they cut the ends of your mouth you're doing it wrong david obviously and i just like (laughs) i can't i can't do it anymore with that one
1: no that's like classic nostalgia from when we were kids i mean i probably ate 10 of those suckers a day when I was younger. I don't know how my parents afforded to keep me around. Seriously. <laughs> what, was,
0: what was your favorite color to eat? Oh,
1: blue. Hands down. Blue, fans
0: down. Yeah.
1: I mean, you can pretty much guarantee if there is a candy or a flavor of something, it's going to be blue if I like it. Like blue raspberry.
0: Blue raspberry. I don't know
1: if you're allowed to mention brands on this shit, but Sour Patch Kids. The best decision they ever made, in my opinion, was to create a bag of just the blue Flavors. Did Sour they? Patch Kids. they? Did. Oh, I was they thinking did. about the
0: watermelon one that they did too.
1: Well, they have, you mean the watermelon pieces?
0: Yeah. I mean, they don't yeah, look that's like awesome. the Sour Patch Kids. I mean, They're
1: literally, like... you take a bag of Sour Patch Kids and you pick out all the blues, mm-hmm. they just put that in a separate bag. But, the uh, best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Also, really? one of the worst because, like, especially when you're trying to lose weight, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you gorge yourself on some blue oh, sour vegetables. Easily, I crave those suckers on a daily basis, like you would not believe. Well, I'm blue. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I crave? What? You know what I crave? No. Your company. Oh, oh David. I know, I know, I know.
0: Christy, have you been?
1: I've been good. Uh, got a lot of stuff going on. Life changes, and uh, yeah, just trying to keep a positive mindset right. with all the drama going on in life. But hey, yeah. How are you, David? Thanks for asking, by the way. Oh no problem, Christy. <laughs>
0: uh, mine's been shit. i <laughs> no, just kidding. So sorry. No, it's not. It's not been bad. I actually um, am I'm not quitting dominos, but I'm working a lot less. So thank God because I just need a fucking break.
1: Yeah, and yeah. you have a lot going on, anyways, between the podcast and um having a full-time job and then a part-time gig it's a lot to balance especially when you're trying to navigate um or more so have a healthy life or work life balance work life um, balance that's the fucking word of phrase of the day no seriously because i mean for me it's really important and i i talk about this with my friends who don't have traditional you know 9 to 5 jobs mm-hmm. it's like when i'm off work i separate myself from work oh, and it yeah. is so crucial to me maintaining a healthy mentality um and just a healthy frame of mind because like after five, that's me time. Oh, and yeah. if I'm not in the mood to do something, I'm not going to do it.
0: So, Christy uh, and I worked together at uh, UNT together. And I, I that was my mantra whenever I, I worked there as a supervisor. I was like, after five, fuck everything. <laughs> fuck you guys. I am out. Out. Um, just because, like, for the longest time, I was to be the one, like I I supervised a few people who like stayed after five. And so it's was like, I was just there in that environment. I would work like extra two hours just mm-hmm. to, like, you know, be there or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it totally. Like fucking ruined my life, and so <laughs> it didn't know. ruin your
1: life. It, I, it didn't you, ruin my
0: life, but it set
1: you up for a career that you never thought you would find yourself in, exactly. and it gave you a good work ethic and a very strong work ethic. And I think that's also something that I took from the registrar's office that has gotten me to where I am mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Know, as a grant manager. Woo-hoo. Oh <laughs> so, yeah. mm-hmm. talking big yeah, power business. moves, man. Right? right? Shut- yeah, you know, making the big bucks in higher education. Oh, that'd be nice for our yeah. listeners out there who don't know that does not exist. <laughs> 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 There's no such thing as big bucks in higher ed. Yes. Go private, go corporate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hmm.
0: I was thinking about that the other
1: day. But um,
0: actually, Christy, before a little bit of housekeeping, um, if you want to show your support for the you haven't seen that movie podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com/slash wdm1. Also, join our Facebook and Instagram pages uh, so you when you know um, new episodes go live. Um, Christy. I wanted to ask, uh, what have you been watching as of late? I feel like we haven't really talked uh, much about what you've been watching.
1: You're right. Um, it's kind of complicated, to be quite honest. Uh, why, do,
0: why do you say that?
1: Because I, I tend to, to watch multiple things at once. I do the same thing with books. I, I will read, you know, 30, 40 pages, pick up a different book, read another book. Same thing with shows. Um, so okay. recently I finished The Walking Dead, season 10.
0: Oh, shit. Sure. Do you like it?
1: Yeah, actually, I, the show is – it kind of gives me whiplash because it starts off great. Then m- the mid-seasons are just so repetitive. You mm-hmm. just kind of – like, I can't stay on board with this. But then they really get your attention, season nine. I mean, there's like a one, which, episode, one which one is that? Is that the one where they start
0: uh, talking with the uh, the people who walk wear with Wear the them? masks. Yeah, yeah wear the masks. Yeah, okay. and so
1: they really get your attention. It's like there is a – I don't know if you've seen Game of Thrones –
0: so, actually, I was going to bring that up.
1: So, you know the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones? I know of it. Okay. Well, there's a Walking Dead equivalent. Oh. um, In season nine.
0: Oh, do they? Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, because when the Red Wedding, I had no, like... I didn't read the books for Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and so I had no idea the Red Wedding was coming. Oh, okay. And that was a similar situation with The Walking Dead. I was like, they did not just do that. Oh, so, shit. I see. Yeah. I see. Um. I mean, it, it's a spoiler. It's not a spoiler alert because people die in The Walking Dead. Come on. Like, oh,
0: yeah. It's yeah.
1: a world full of dead people walking. You, no shocker there. So. I
0: feel like that's the whole dig with Walking Dead is like each season you just want to see who gets killed off next from the original group. Or I don't whatever. want anybody
1: to die. I literally just want there to be a conclusion like i want to see the opposite what? happen like oh well they're having a successful uh, community they're out there gardening and making babies and having fun and their life is perfectly normal and society and humanity is getting back to the way it used to be mm-hmm. the end yeah like an alternative but in a show <laughs> you know
0: it's funny it's funny that you say that too because i had been watching it with jt jt my roommate has been watching it and i've oh man i was one i think it got up to like season three and then i was like that's when i hopped on the train i was like okay all right i can get into this and uh then i was like episode to episode every weekend like for until i think maybe even just this last season the quit or whatever i was like every time and then jt started watching i was just like oh we got to a part where like i I guess like Maggie or somebody had come back. Uh, she like left and then came back, and um, and I was like, dude, I have nothing like no context at all about this. Maggie this
1: left and came back. So are you on season nine? I have no Spoiler! Spoiler game. alert! Spoiler you you alert. need to hardcore spoiler alert this, yeah. David, because the yeah. show is still going. Oh my god, nobody's watching The Walking Dead. It's so many people. Are, so many people are still walking, watching The Walking Dead. It's just on cable. Nobody has cable anymore. Yeah, I don't. don't so, I don't. but yeah, um, oh. it, but but season nine and ten, or all the seasons, are on Netflix. So yes, that would be a definite spoiler alert. Oh, wow. my. Um, but outside of that, I be, I watched um, the 100 on Netflix. Oh, do you like it? Yeah, actually, it's a – I think it's a show that definitely matured as it as it went along. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: um, it's one of those – every time I, I think of that show, it's always like a CW show. Yeah. Um, like branded. I don't, I don't even know what it honestly stands for, the CW. Um, fuck. Uh, but it's like Supernatural. There was um, Gossip Girl was on there. It's – CW has a certain flavor of show and that's like where the Flash TV show oh, and all those like stupid Smallville no. and shit. Yeah. And so I just like I've always had this like especially my twin sister Tanya she loves Supernatural but so I mean a, at least it aired on CW and I, I get that same vibe from it. I'm just no, like, I I, I, com- cannot.
1: I it's funny you say that because I completely know exactly the type of show that you're referring to. I just can't think of like the what you would call it Right. because they just have this um air about them as to how the actors speak.
0: That's exactly the word I was going to use, air.
1: Yeah, and it's like there's a style to how... You know, the episodes go along. Style guide. Maybe they, maybe they got a style guide for CW shows. <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so? I bet you they do. Maybe. I mean, but well, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about because they all have a similar way the actors portray their character and the okay. way that's, I don't know if it's editing or it's directed. Right. Um, but they all have a similar progression.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I personally, I've been uh, JT turned me on to this one called. Uh, was oh, I JT on, turned you on. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called the Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Have you ever heard of it? Wow,
1: what a what an alliteration there! Uh, right, it's say that five times fast. Uh,
0: The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. The
1: Wild Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. I was like, you made it look easy for the first year. And after that, uh, no.
0: But this was a documentary about these, like, I guess this famous uh, surname of white uh, out in West Virginia. And they just fucking caused shit. And, like, they went, it's like a documentary or whatever. And they were just like, uh, like, these people are fucking crazy. And they just, like, apparently they take up, like, 50% of the the, like, law enforcement capabilities because they're always getting into shit, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, wild shit. I don't know. I watched that, and I was just, like, I, I felt like I had to mention it because literally it is so fucking wild. These people, there was this woman, she got she birthed the baby and literally, like, turned over to this, like, bedside table, crushed up a pill, and then snorted it right off the table. I was like,
1: whoa. Wait, is this based in modern society? Dude, this
0: is real. This is real shit.
1: Oh, I thought this was like, you know, uh, exaggerated, you know, no. do- I don't even want to say documentary cause it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like it, but it totally is. It's like, it, I don't know. Even that- it sounds like some Peaky Blinders kind of shit. No. <laughs> no, it's like
0: white trash. Yeah. Type. <laughs> Worse,
1: Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> uh, I love
0: Trailer Park Boys. Some trash on Trailer I've
1: really. never seen it. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's
0: a good one. That's a good one. Uh, it's it's a certain flavor.
1: I was say I feel like it's just Larry the Cable Guy multiplied by every <laughs> single character on the show
0: but they're canadian <laughs> yeah oh okay i didn't know that either i do canadian trailer park not an american for, trailer park yeah
1: lucky for canadians i don't really associate canadians with being trashy i mean what a luxury that they have there right. i mean i not that i associate americans with being trashy by any means but it's like yes there are certain states where i'm like Trailer park, trash. <laughs> yep, trash. Trailer trash, but not Canada, not it, Canada. Like,
0: <laughs> there was another documentary that I watched too. Um, that Bob Ross documentary. Have you have you heard of it? Have you seen it? It's going through Netflix.
1: Mm, no, um, I did see that a Bob Ross show was recommended to me. You should watch that.
0: They really like everybody. Like, pause this and go watch Bob, this Bob Ross documentary. It is amazing. It's a it's good because it's a good documentary, but. They really screwed Bob Ross over and like their shit's like like I don't I really do not want to spoil it all because I think it's Oh, that so it's
1: good. not in, in a positive light. Oh no. Well, I mean, it does. It does.
0: It shows like the impact of that he had, but then it flips and it's like, okay, these people who he worked for, they just like totally fucked him up. Yeah. Wow, I feel like um,
1: I don't know that there's a documentary about it, but I feel like Jim Carrey kind of had a similar situation where, you know, people started to portray him in a very um like unstable light for a while until he finally, oh. I think took ownership of that. You That's know, the true. fact that he is eclectic and he is an artist and, because I think for so he so that Andy
0: Kaufman documentary. Oh and yeah. He like really like anybody, I think he's a maybe method even, actor. I mean, I talk about, I, I don't know if it was, it wasn't last week cause we did the bonus episode for this, but a, a few weeks ago we were talking about method acting or just like character acting. I was just like, people who fucking can do that shit is just like putting yourself in a mindset like Heath Ledger, Joker um, I can't remember what movie it was but it'll drive me crazy, I'll think of it later but um, yeah, anybody who does that sort of thing, it just really like blows my mind how, oh it was uh, There Will Be Blood, have you ever seen that? Mm -mm. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis great fucking great fucking movie, it's also on Netflix great, it's about like this like oil tycoon and he's just like fucking trying to get the monies and and run, you know?
1: Right. Cause I mean like with Jim Carrey, I don't know about for you and I know you kind of had controversial opinions (laughs) about Jim Carrey for the longest time. I have. But for me, when he takes on a character, he is like that character is him and he is that character, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's the Grinch, the Truman Truman show, um, Oh, goodness. Uh, Andy Kaufman. I mean, that was an insane performance.
0: You know what one of my f- favorite Jim Carrey movies is? No. Um, yes, Man. That's a good I, one. I That's love, a classic. No. I love that one. I just, like, got to say yes to everything. I'm like, oh. He's like he's horrible liar. Like, uh, well, Liar Liar is also a good one. That's that. A good really one. Like a mm-hmm. uh, He's like, this pin is red. <laughs> and he's and like, what the fuck? <laughs> fucked up.
1: Yeah, and, and, but it's like I think of actors – who are just as, you know, have just as much notoriety as Jim Carrey, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Mm. where he also claims he's a method actor. But for me personally, Leonardo DiCaprio is Leonardo DiCaprio in every single movie that he Mm -hmm. plays.
0: It's like typecasted, kind of. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think he's casted for the fact that he's so well-known and admired and people just go see the movie because his name is on it. Oh. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. But I always see Leonardo DiCaprio. Versus I feel like Jim Carrey transforms. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And makes me forget that he is a celebrity and just portraying a character.
0: Mm. Um, That's harder for me. Jim Carrey is like it's just like more of a staple in the nineties, and I was just like,
1: <sighs> oh, he's fantastic, David.
0: Yeah. I, you know, uh, out of all of these so far that I've mentioned, like I, I mentioned, I said something about Game of Thrones. I've want. I started on the second season because I was like, I've already, I've read up until the fourth book and I've watched the first season already. So it's just like, I jumped into season two. Oh,
1: so you haven't seen Game of Thrones? No,
0: no, I've not watched the show. Oh. Yeah. So oh. I've read the books, but or read up until the fourth and then I was just like, whatever, I can't read anymore. <laughs>
1: you're in for a treat my friend you are gonna hate your life when it's over (laughs) you know uh
0: actually guilty way guilty pleasure more than game of thrones um jt and i watched downtown abbey oh yeah you're telling me about that we watched a whole like that whole first season like in one sitting i would i i love that show it's so good
1: what is the lady's name maggie smith Dame Maggie Smith, she uh, is one of the actresses in. Oh, she's a um,
0: pres- she, Professor McGonagall. yeah, Professor yeah. McGonagall exactly. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, Maggie Smith, she's so she's so like spicy in that show, and I fucking love it. It's I great.
1: mean, is like the pr- like, I don't I think she's probably Great Britain's equivalent of like Betty White <laughs> to the United. <laughs> That's a good boy. The pride and joy. The pride and joy of and Britain. Joy of Britain. <laughs> it was. Uh, Oh, gosh. Alan Rickman. And then when he passed <laughs> R.I.P. Snoop. Right. Uh, yeah. Professor McGonagall is now the the prized jewel of...
0: So, so to speak. There was this one episode that I was watching where she... Uh, they had like a flower contest or whatever, or like, you know, best flower or whatever. I don't know. For the town or whatever. And this... One lady who she's beefing was just like, you're gonna win it because all the judges think you're cool and hot shit and whatnot. And she like gets up there at the end. Maggie Smith does to read the award and everybody thinks that she's gonna name herself or whatever the winner, but, uh, and her name is there as the, the winner or whatever. Uh, but she totally has like change of heart and, and gives it to the other guy. I'm like, oh she was like total bitch up until that moment and then she she was like gave the prize to him and i was like oh that's so fucking
1: sweet (laughs) Uh, i'd be like no this is my trophy rub it in her face (laughs) it would turn from a county fair into a cunty fair real
0: quick (laughs) right yeah
1: (laughs) shit and i'd be like hey bitch see what i got that you it's probably just a ribbon but i mean yeah i would make it into like I would create a trophy I would create a sash Yeah. <laughs> Did you bring your own? Right. Yes <laughs> Just like pulling out of his back pocket Like no ma'am you actually got second I don't, That's not what this says <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh,
0: Yeah so um, Before we jump in the movie this, So this is going to be the first Reverse episode that we're going to do Yeah. Um, so typically um, With you haven't seen that movie podcast I am the one who hasn't seen it But this week, and I'm sure we'll have more of them um, to come, but Christy has not seen, we're talking about Jackie Brown today. Um, Christy, top level opinions of it? What do you think?
1: Surprisingly, and, you know, I kind of touched base on this. This is definitely not a movie I would have chosen for myself. Um, You know, I think a lot of people can relate where you're just scrolling through Netflix and who like looking for something out of desperation to watch. Um, And for me, I would have just scrolled right past this because it's uh, – it's not action. It's not suspense. Uh, I don't even know how you would classify this movie or as far as the genre goes. But overall, it was fantastic. It, it definitely um, kept my attention the whole time. It is a bit long, but even then um, – didn't you,
0: didn't you split it up into two <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so funny thing about that. It's not on Hulu. It's not on Netflix. So really, if you want to watch the... Oh, it's not even on HBO Max. I was really shocked by that. Oh, yeah. Um, I got all the streaming services. But uh, it is on Amazon Prime Video for rent. And so I had originally... <laughs> I had rented it, watched it halfway through, uh, got busy... <laughs> can't say doing what because that might get me in trouble <laughs> uh, and then um so just an fyi you only have 48 hours to watch the rental movies on amazon prime um and yeah so 48 hours probably like 72 hours goes by i forgot about it and then i went to go watch it and finish it today and uh had to reread the the movies <laughs> wow, that's funny <laughs> yeah it happens
0: uh, Christy, I am also thinking, we, we both work in higher education. Mm-hmm. So, um, our other podcast, since the Zeitgeist, uh, we did Yik Yak. Do you remember Yik Yak?
1: Yes. That was like the thing. It was anonymous, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, I never really participated in it. Yeah. Really? And it's not like it was before my time. It was my time. But When you and I were in college
0: together, yeah, it was like popping.
1: Yeah, I I really didn't want to know what people thought of me. Fear of rejection, I guess, anxiety, uh, you know, life-altering comments being made that I can't (laughs) seem to forget.
0: Right, yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) I was like, my brain tells me enough of that shit. I don't need help from other people.
0: Mm -hmm, That's fun. Yeah, you should go check that one out. We we really poured through it, and I I love that episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Did y'all ever post your Furby episode? Oh, yeah. Fuck like yeah. Second one, yeah. Fuck yeah. Love it. I literally, so, it's so funny because I got my mom to subscribe to your podcast oh, did before she? yesterday. <laughs> nice. She's like, what are you doing this way? I'm like, oh, I'll just record another podcast. She's like, you're on a podcast. I was like, fuck yeah, mom. I was like, you need to go listen to this shit. And I was yeah. like, I was "Like." Was she going to
0: listen to the Zoolander one we did last?
1: I sure hope not. Uh, <laughs> you mean, made a 9-11 joke. <laughs> fuck off, David. That's <laughs> oh, a sensitive topic this month. Right? Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. Jeez, Christy. It so sensitive. Uh, I
1: can't help it. <laughs> As the famous Lady Gaga would say, I was born this way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So, uh, Christy, I, I, so we're going to do a recap here in a second, but I guess I want to i guess i want to go into why i wanted to to do this movie with you so i you know whenever i first watch i really can't remember when i first watched it i was thinking back it. i was like i believe i was living in denver at the time and um i was more recluse there and i was like in my room and so i was like always trying to find something to consume and i, I think that's when i watched it for the first time and I've been wanting to rewatch it for a long time because I think that was the last time that I had actually watched it all the way through it. Like you said, it is a long movie, so it's, it's hard to sit down and one, one go, you know, your butt gets uh sleep or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think this movie is really special. Um, he, Quentin Tarantino, he's the dir- I want to say director He's the director yeah, um, He adapted it from a book called Rum Punch by um, the Gentleman's name is Elmore Leonard um, I had never heard of a book before so I was just like Whatever, I don't care, but whenever i first watched it what i thought of was just jackie brown made, you know it's title title card um, jackie brown uh, played by pam greer and she is just a motherfucking badass she's
1: a badass bitch in
0: this and i just think of like female empowerment whenever i first watched it I, that's what i remember cuz you know i have i have four sisters i don't have any brothers and i have my mom she's like you know very Influential in my life. And whenever I was watching this, it just made me like think of them because I'm like, damn, I want them to be some fucking badass bitches. And,
1: like, right. Fail, and and fail I mean, money. we still have this problem, and I would call it a problem, but a lot of people would disagree with me there where it's we don't have enough female, like empowered female protagonists mm-hmm. in in the cinemas and for, I can't remember when this, uh, 1997, you think there were even less back then. Right. You know, we, we definitely have the advantage today where we're coming out with all of these movies that are, you know, Marvel based DC and they're expanding the universe. So they naturally include more yeah, female just become, protagonists. Yeah. Become
0: more diverse. Yeah. You
1: know? But at the same time for that type of movie, like with in a scene where it's, you know, uh, Gun sales and and trafficking, right? Gun
0: runners. Um, you know. Yeah,
1: you you don't see women in her position. Um,
0: yeah, at least nowadays. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't see that. Um, okay, before I jump into the recap, I, I want to ask you. So, what do you what do you think of Tarantino movie? Because I feel like anytime we we bring up this one director, everybody's got a motherfucking opinion on it, and I want to hear yours.
1: So I. I mean, of course, he has some just cult classics. You know, you have, um, pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. I mean, that, I think that's the one that comes to everyone's mind. But, you mm-hmm. know, and I kind of touched base on this earlier where there's, uh, from dust till dawn <laughs> is what originally got me kind of, um, on the, uh, Tarantino train, if you will. Right. <laughs> <And so, laughs> choo choo. Yeah. Whoo- <laughs> <laughs> All aboard, motherfuckers! Right, geez. Um Yeah, no, because I mean that movie, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole uh, mm-hmm. from *Dust Till Dawn*. It, the twist. I mean, I it, the twist alone in that movie made me want to explore other movies that he is directed. Have you not seen many of them? No, definitely not. Really? Like I said, this is not my general like genre of interest. Because mm. um, a lot of what he does is action. Um, yeah. Arguably suspense in a way. That's
0: good. Good Um, And
1: I'm definitely more of a Pineapple Express, Step Brothers, Dodgeball kind of girl. Mm, mm. Zoolander, if you will. Uh, (laughs) Of course. course. And so, um, yeah, if it's not lighthearted, very dark, irreverent comedy, I'm probably not just going to pick that for myself to watch. Mm -hmm. But I always do appreciate a nice recommendation. And that's where, you know, it's like, you know what, David? let's go for it. Let's do it. And I was like, give me your best shot. Mm-hmm. And I uh, did not disappoint.
0: I know. You know, It's <laughs> funny when you say that uh, you, you brought up, you wanted to see, you want to watch the hot chick. whatever. Uh, we were going back and forth on if we should do the reverse episode. And she had mentioned hot chick with uh, Rob Schneider. Rob and I was Schneiders. like, I watched the trailer for hot chick when you told me that. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, there's that South Park bit. Oh, yeah. I, anytime <laughs> Rob
1: Schneider's a Labrador dog, Rob Schneider is a doorknob. Right.
0: Yeah. I just like I think of that and I was like, okay, I want to choose Rob Schneider
1: one. goes to space camp <laughs> as a hot chick. <laughs> Rob Schneider is a stapler. <laughs> Jesus. I love South Park. Oh, man. They're mm-hmm. just the ultimate trolls. But for whatever reason, that is one episode that just like – Sticks in my brain where they're just going down a list uh, or in a movie theater and just like preview after preview. Rob Schneider, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he's not relevant these days, anyways. Like,
0: no, no, did you retire I think the last thing he was in, maybe that grown-ups movie.
1: That, oh, yeah, I'm saying, like yeah, or whatever. I don't,
0: I don't even know. Oh, yeah, I don't even know. It doesn't, I work. haven't even seen those. Like, I don't even know.
1: It's Rob Schneider being Rob Schneider, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Christy. I'm gonna jump into the recap. The movie opens L.A. in 1995 with an introduction to Jackie Brown, a flight attendant turned money smuggler who works for Ordell Robbie, an arms dealer. Another employee of Ordell's gets arrested and after paying a bail bondsman, Max Cherry, executes him as Ordell fears that he has become an informant. Reacting to the information received about Ordell's organization, the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms detectives arrest and book Jackie after cornering her with money and coke. Ordell goes through the same beat and bails out Jackie, but when arriving at Jackie's apartment to kill her, she pulls a gun on him, which she stole from Max Cherry, the bail bondsman, who gave her a ride home after leaving jail. After the two broker a deal, Jackie continues smuggling massive amounts of money for Ordell, while also placating to the ATF. In Ordell's apartment off the beach, Louis Gara, a prison associate of Ordell's, is introduced to Melanie Ralston, a cliche surfer girl who formulates a plan to rip off Ordell. Louis tells Ordell about this, however, he retorts saying, quote, Melanie is just being Melanie, unquote and for Lewis not to worry about it. In the meantime, Jackie constructs an elaborate plan to smuggle $500,000 of Ordell's money uh, while leading him on about the typical $50,000 drop that they would typically were accustomed to in the past, all while evading the alert ATF watchdogs. Jackie chooses to recruit Max Cherry, the bail bondsman, from before by offering him a cut. During a test run at a local shopping mall uh, that the ATF knows about, and Jackie's able to outsmart the ATF, Max sees the fruits of this as he casually walks around and sees Simone, a friendly sex worker, swap bags with Sharonda, another one of Ordell's associates, which contains uh, the amount of $10,000. Jackie explains to Ordell that Simone was there uh, as a failsafe just in case Sharonda, a possible liability, might take off with the money. However, it's discovered that Simone is the one who skipped town, uh, leading Ordell to recruit Melanie for the real thing. Lewis is also recruited to escort Melanie to the department store to make the 50 k handoff with Jackie. After casually browsing for a new suit, Jackie hands off a bag containing only $40,000 in the dressing room to Melanie, with a $10,000 bonus exclusively for Melanie, saying, quote, when has Zordell done anything for us, unquote. Jackie proceeds into the food court in a panic to inform the ATF. Melanie had bust into the dressing room and stolen all of the money. On the way to the car, Melanie taunts Lewis as he has forgotten where he had parked. As Melanie persists, Lewis loses his temper and shoots her in the stomach, killing her. After leaving, Ordell meets back up with Lewis, and after informing him of Melanie's death, Ordell realizes he was ripped off and that Jackie uh, has his money. Upset about the situation and Melanie's death, Ordell kills Lewis and tells Max that if Jackie doesn't return his money, he will kill them, and if she goes to the authorities, he'll name her as an accessory. Max goes to Ordell's house and tells him that Jackie is spooked and is waiting at Max's office with the money. Ordell arrives at the office with Max at gunpoint, and after speaking with Jackie, the ATF storms in and kills Ordell. The charges are dropped against Jackie, and she plans a trip abroad. She asks Max to join her, but he declines, kissing her goodbye. The movie fades as Jackie sits driving, mouthing the words to Across 110th Street by Bobby Womack yeah well so because I, I know i asked you you know um top level but now that we've done the recap, uh I, i'm kind of wanting to go through the characters and a couple different like themes moments um but i guess what sticks out to you the most in this movie Does pam Greer really like get you going
1: i mean as jackie well, brown yeah i mean i think she really embodies the character of someone one who's underestimated Ooh. as a woman um uh, i mean throughout the entire movie it shows you know she's very good at reading and manipulating situations but also you know the desperation of somebody who has nothing left to lose um where you know she's at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to her her career and her age her, her age place. everything
0: quote unquote yeah absolutely
1: as a a black woman in america and Mm -hmm. that
0: was one of her big things she was worried that worried worried of starting over yeah was a big thing
1: yeah it was a huge fear and and she blatantly talks about that in the movie Mm -hmm. um but then again like her whole plan i was like i wonder if i could get away with this david right like ballsy i know a bail bondsman check <laughs> i'm sure i got some gun- you just gotta know a gun runner <laughs> i got some gun running friends i got i know people in low places and high places I, yeah i was like there's no way you get away with this yeah, these days yeah.
0: it's funny it's funny that you well not say that but hilarious damn Lord. <laughs> uh you know in gta 5 the video game she's like an in-game radio host uh she's like for one of their like Made up radio station. Oh, no way. Yeah, the radio host. Because the radio
1: channels sound so real Mm -hmm. on on the game. And I love, love, love uh, Grand Theft Auto. I think, one, just the designers of the game the extent that they go to build this entire city, but then the details mm-hmm. and what you have the ability to do. Like I love just going up and punching people, hitting them with my car. Same though. But then again, I'm super casual. I don't play grand theft auto to p- like play the actual like story mode. Right. I just drive around like a normal person half the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, are, it's like, yeah,
0: my friend always, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but they always used to tell me that they would just like, um, they would have Simpsons hit and run and they would just like, like literally drive the same pace like drive correctly blend in and with society yeah, i'm like good god that sounds so fucking
1: i don't lame. yeah i don't think that works with the police in the game i think they can still identify <laughs> you but good luck to you especially when you got those five stars <laughs> you but fucking, no,
0: you rear in like a bumper or what's it called um fender bender oh yeah fender bender, it's like five stars
1: and you're like oh my god the comes to shooting at me yeah no jackie brown got to like three stars max, max. on this yeah. i mean mm, i wouldn't even say that oh maybe maybe okay
0: that's a good point that's
1: i mean she's point. getting picked up on, especially the especially
0: middle. when they were in the mall that that little you know because she I, I mentioned it why she won't like went out into the food court and was like whoa well, Ray. Ray. yeah exactly exactly and um i just i don't know i i really i love pam greer and like i like i said at the top of it i she really, I knew nothing of Pam Grier. Before. Oh, no, me nothing, either. Nothing of Pam Grier, but oh my God, is she like not the sexiest woman I've ever seen in my life. She's Beautiful. not married. She's not married and lives in Colorado and maybe one day.
1: Was that her only, uh, like, was she like a one hit wonder?
0: No, 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 no. So actually it's kind of leading me into it. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, a big part of this movie is it's, it's called black exploitation. Black exploitation films. This genre. It was coined back in August of 1972 by Junius Griffin, uh, the then president of the Beverly Hills Hollywood NAACP branch. Um, he also named it because it claimed the genre was "quote proliferating offenses quote unquote" to the uh, black community in the pepper. Oh shit! I don't know how to say the word. Pro- pro- Christy
1: me. <laughs> Perpetuation.
0: Perpetuation of stereotypical characters often involved in criminal activity. Um, so, yeah, it's funny because she, Jackie Brown, or Pam Greer, she was the person for black exploitation films. Like, she has this one famous one called Foxy Brown, and that's the reason this movie is named Jackie Brown, because um, Quentin Tarantino, he... he in relation to it, he wanted to pay homage to those types of films. And which I thought was really interesting because they were, you know, these, these movies, those black, black exploitation films, they were, they're originally aimed at urban African American audience, but the genre, like, like started to broaden the appeal of it, like even to white audiences and um, kind of, cross those racial lines and hollywood noticed this and then fucking piled it on so she's jackie or excuse me pam grier she is in. so i look back through her like little little imdb history and good lord if she had not in like every single one of those and i don't know I, I i guess i have like mixed feelings especially like tarantino saying that he's paying homage to something like this but then it just, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm not a racist or anything. You know, I hate the, you know, I hate to disparage anybody. And thinking that somebody's like taking advantage of that, that exploitation, especially Hollywood, like Holly, fuck Hollywood for that. Um, and then Tarantino saying that he's paying homage to that. I was just like, I was a little turned off.
1: No, i I kind of get that same notion where this script does like you say, perpetuate a lot of stereotypes, um, especially for the black community. But there are even comments in regard to the Asian American community um, at the very beginning of the film, where they talk about a lot of stereotypes as to, you know, what uh, Korean people are like their interactions in the crime or the arena of crime. Mm. And so, and that's essentially where the guy gets killed at the setup. Um, Oh,
0: that is right. Yeah. Cause he was, he puts him in the door. was going to go like meet the Yakuza or whatever.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, movies like that in a way make me uncomfortable because, you know, yes, I'm watching it and these things exist. Um, But, you know, I think kind of with Zoolander, some of the way scripts used to be written don't age well. Definitely. Um, And, you know, it's like, yeah, in hindsight, probably (laughs) could have changed some things. But that's just not that this is right, but it was the time, you Mm -hmm. know. And it's like you said, there were a lot of people who recognized this and I hope are making active changes in the way Hollywood um, and the big film industries approach uh, you know, script writing and mm-hmm. movie direction casting right. for these kinds of productions where we're not being so um, stereotypical right. or, um, you know, perpetuating someone based off of race.
0: Right. Exactly. Some held that the, this trend was like one, a token to black empowerment, but others accused that of, you know, like we said before, perpetuating those stereotypes,
1: right? Because I mean, at the end of the day, Jackie Brown, yeah, she was badass. She was a genius, and um, you know, came up with this brilliant scheme, but she was still breaking the law, right? You know, and that's
0: um, like she's still that like
1: yeah, it, it powerful came full female, circle to you know? yeah, she's this pow- empowered female. But she's still the criminal of the of right. it all. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of unfortunate. I didn't really think of it from that light up until now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm like, yeah, she's badass, awesome. But she didn't break the law.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it, when I read into it, because I, I mean, I didn't even. You kind of. You were. You're about to describe it earlier, like this uh, Jackie Brown being a certain genre of movie, and uh, for me, whenever I first watched it or before I you know read into this uh, black exploitation genre, I I was like, okay, this is like a noir film. This is this like a Who Done It you know type of type of stitch and. Um. after reading into it, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, um." I didn't even know that was a genre back in the day. Uh, but it's crazy. I
1: didn't know it was a genre in general. And it's like, it's kind of sinister that oh. we have a name for that. I know. And, and in the worst of ways, like, you know, I think people come to this, this line where, this point where, like, do we continue to support these movies because they involve black actors and actresses? Right. Because I guarantee you movies like this still exist, you know, where stereotypes are being perpetuated for profit Mm -hmm. or, you know, do we boycott? But then again, it's kind of like we have movies like Mulan, um, you know, that come out. I don't know that that was stereotypical, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there were a lot of criticisms in regard to the casting. Right. Um, and so I think we've come to a a place here in woke society Mm -hmm. where, you know, if (laughs) Do we support movies that pay people but send the wrong message? Right. Mm-hmm. Or do we boycott?
0: Mm-hmm. And it's making me think of like whenever I. So I really like another one of Tarantino's movies, Django Unchained.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that was a Quentin Tarantino movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: No, I, I I love that movie. It's that's like, kind of fucked. <laughs> I, I, and that's I, everybody and anybody in Hollywood. After he, I guess, came with this movie or uh, Django and Un- Django Unchained, uh, we're really like criticizing him for, I guess, Samuel L. was using the the N word, uh, you know, so much during that movie, and people giving him shit. But we we didn't put in the trivia later. But this is the movie that Samuel L. says the N word like the most,
1: a lot, the <laughs> most, like thirty eight, thirty
0: eight times specifically. I was like. Whoa, okay, y'all are getting fucking blown up about Django. Y'all aren't even looking at something like this. So I was just, it's, it's a weird, it's weird because, you know, I'm white, you're white. It's not something that we would typically, I didn't even really know about until I started to research and you even today. So it's like, what do we, what do we do? What can we do to do, you know, make it better? Not support things like this right now, but you know, if, if I, if, you know, I did come into this, like watching this movie for the first time out of the blue, I didn't know anything about it. I still thought it was a great movie. So it's like, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to divide those lines. It's kind of, and even, and even Pam Greer being in those black exploitation films, it makes me like, cause she really like, she put her, her, you know, nose down. She was in so many, I, I can't, I, I'll go back later and maybe find how many she did, but God right. damn. She,
1: she was typecasted essentially. Yeah. You know, it's a good, um, good way to put it. But yeah, it's so funny, David, because I feel like with Zoolander surprisingly <laughs> controversial movie, you know, like I said, it did not age well. And then you choose one for me, surprisingly controversial. <laughs> and we decided to talk about it. Right? So it's like, Wait, what was controversial about Zoolander. Everything That thing did not age All well. Right. There was fat shaming. Oh, there was. Uh, oh, gosh. I can't even oh, think Lord. back to it now. But you and I were just like, this is just not. <laughs> oh, they used... Um... They used that. Oh, gosh. They used words that are not exactly uh, pc these days mm, um, i do
0: remember that yeah. yeah
1: so i mean there were just a couple of things where it's like okay zoolander you lost your chill on right, that one <laughs> exactly
0: but nonetheless what do you what do you think of uh, samuel l's character in the movie
1: i really didn't like him to be quite honest that really? ponytail and the braided yeah. beard combo i don't know what they were thinking with that like Yeah, this is what dudes, like your average drug, or not drug pushing, gun pushing dude looks like these days. No. Got the long hair. Yeah, and it was stringy and like... Mm the ponytail aside, it was the braided little beard twist on the front of his chin. <laughs> <logo> I, <laughs> I had no idea what the goal was with that. Is he supposed to be a beach bum? That's or? What,
0: see, and that's what I thought him being right off the beach with Melanie. I mean, it
1: makes sense, yeah, because Melanie is definitely surfer chick, uh-huh. like gorgeous, right, um, yeah. little stoner surfer chick. And then again, it's like that couple was also really weird to me i i like what uh uh, robert jenner owned her well no that they weren't a couple it was uh melanie and or ordell and ordell oh okay yeah that were the weird couple because i feel like the age didn't match up um but then again i feel like she she she's supposed to kind of give off like a gold digger vibe Mm -hmm. you know like well he's uh, i think ordell sometime
0: in the movie was like talking about his like you know, he puts people up or whatever. And like Simone was one of them. Sharonda was another. And then Melanie was this third.
1: I don't remember that, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It wasn't even implied to be a relationship. Um, I mean, she had pictures of herself everywhere. It, Cause,
0: uh, Louis <laughs> Gar played by Robert De Niro. He, he like fucks her. And then they like, there's like some scene afterwards and it is like, uh, wait, you, f- you fucked her? And he's like, uh, he's like, did you know that she was my girlfriend or something? I like, I I can't remember the exact back and forth, but he's like, yeah, I still fucked her whatever. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> like, Robert De Niro, Jesus.
1: Right, and they were such bros, like, and I think that's kind of where the shock came come in. Bl- bl- what are words, David? Mm-hmm. It's been a long day. Right. Um, Where the shock comes in for me, where at the closer to the end of the movie he shoots like his best friend you know mm-hmm. but then again he shot his girl so
0: that is true that is true so um i don't Problem- know let's right let's talk about i guess um them two robert de niro and then so melanie uh, her name her name in real life is bridget fonda jane fonda's niece
1: that's insane
0: um I actually had no idea who Jane Fonda was for the longest time. Oh really? Time. Yeah until I researched this. I didn't realize that she was famous for those 80s workout videos. Uh-huh. Um I it says in 1982 she re- she released her first exercise Exercise video, Jane Fonda's workout, which became the highest selling VHS of all time.
1: all time. All time, what an achievement! You know, like I mean, obviously VHSs don't really exist that much anymore.
0: Sorry if you're younger and you don't know what a VHS is. What does that even stand for? I have no fucking clue, dude. Video home system. I don't video know. home system. I don't fucking no. <laughs>
1: uh, the questions that haunt me at night.
0: Right. Uh, uh one one last thing about Jane Fonda she's in the only movie i know that Jane Fonda is in is uh called 9 to 5 with Dolly Parton
1: Working not too what a way to make <laughs>
0: a I love that song I love, I love that song but i really want to watch that movie I, everybody tells me about it
1: I've never seen it either but but i'm guessing the was the movie inspired by the song or was the song inspired by the movie
0: I think both cuz they came around the same time
1: I don't like that you don't like that? No. I, I feel like one needs to come before the other. Is it the chicken before the egg? You know, all that crap. Um, so is is the song the chicken or the egg, David? I bet you
0: it was just Dolly Parton being as famous as she was. Uh, like, they wanted to take advantage of her fucking massive hit of a Song and like, okay, we're gonna make some money, more money off you. It's cool. We're gonna make a movie. I'm we'll sure we'll handle we'll handle logistics. Yeah. You show up, Dolly, okay? <laughs>
1: right. I'm sure this is Googleable, but Dolly Parton, if you are out there, please <laughs> let us know. Right. I would is- love to have
0: Dolly Parton on. <laughs> Maybe we watch Nine to Five. Make this happen.
1: <laughs> make this happen. You haven't seen that movie? Podcast community. Right.
0: <laughs> um Robert De Niro's character, though, I I remember watching it the first time and, and being so like. I like Robert De Niro a lot as a, like an actor. Like he's, I think he's so good. But it, in watching this movie, I was like, "Oh my god, what a fucking bum, yo!"
1: His character is very lackluster in this, mm-hmm. and, and no
0: enthusiasm. It
1: seems very insignificant in the whole plot scheme of things, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Other than shooting Melanie, which really had no consequence in the movie whatsoever, right? Other than um, getting and picking, himself
0: maybe killed, yeah,
1: yeah. But even then, that w- wasn't really other. There were so few mentions of, like, Lewis and his role in the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, okay, here he is again. He picked up a bag. Now he's in a van.
0: Mm -hmm. Now he's shot.
1: Now he's shot.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then Ordell is all of a sudden like, yeah, we're suspicious of Ordell. No shit, you know? Right, right.
0: um yeah and it's like a throwaway line at the beginning because i had when watching it the second time that's when i picked up on it that they were like uh prison buddies like they were you know mates or whatever the fuck you want to call it.
1: yeah i mean i feel like the movie could have they could have framed it differently and the movie the plot still could have gone on without lewis even existing in the whole storyline
0: yeah yeah i think we could placated that whole role of Getting the money to just a singular person, and not having a little. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's nice that the the back and forth that they had. I, I think it was funny how he got fed up with her like real quick. Um, oh yeah, so like, I mean, she was annoying. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, and I think that's she played it perfectly doing Absolutely. that. You were saying it right before we were watching clips, right before we got in here. Um, I, I think I watched this movie like last week sometime, and then you, you finished it watching it today. But she's like, Lewis, Lewis, like when she's walking Lewis. to the car about to get shot. Um, like, goddamn, does she play like an annoying person like, she, really well?
1: Right, And and even just her like, Acting, you know, air quotes. Yeah. Um. And that scene seems so real, like as if she were truly, you know, like being herself and following Robert De, uh, De Niro around and like lewis mm-hmm.
0: really giving him the fucking.
1: Is it Robert? <laughs> like, like is. right before she's like Robert, Robert, Robert. <laughs> is this annoying you, Robert? Is this annoying you, Robert? <laughs> Mr. De Niro. <laughs> right.
0: You know, Robert De Niro was actually supposed to play the Bill's Bondsman in the movie. And then uh, Quentin Tarantino gave it to Robert Forrester, who actually died in 2019.
1: Oh, sad day. So, yeah, I really like the Bill Bondsman character. He Did seemed you? very humble. Um, you, yeah,
0: I was about to say, what do you like about him?
1: Um, I liked that Um, his bond with... Oh, wait. This has popped a, a thought into my head. Okay. I don't know if this is time for this, David, mm-hmm. but the most awkward kissing scene I have ever seen in my life. Um, I would say that. Oh, most with them awkward. two at the end, they had no chemistry with those kisses. Like they didn't practice that. They're like <laughs> no chemistry with right. them kisses. Yeah, <laughs> all right, things. Jackie. All right, other dude, Mister Forster, go for it. Mm-hmm. Don't even worry about practicing. We're just gonna take the first thing that y'all do, mm-hmm. and it's like. One of them's pecking, and then the other's like trying to go all in, and then, mm-hmm. and then it switched. It's like they're like, oh, well, we need to be on the same page. So they Right, switch. they fucking <laughs> flip
0: the script um, on each other. I was like,
1: dude, oh, fuck have you this? never kissed another human being before? <laughs> right, like, exactly. Could, maybe I'll have extended the scene for another 20 seconds and cut. Like, oh, well, here's the best little snippet. Right, the, mm-hmm. Because it's not just like a peck or, you know, like a five-second makeout. Mm-hmm. It's like an extended... Like, as if they have literally prolonged <laughs> or waited for this moment the whole movie, and they're like, we got to squeeze it all in at
0: the very end. Was that the first time that they kissed
1: in the movie? I'm almost positive that that was the first time they kissed.
0: Yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, they
1: had a connection for sure. Oh, and I sure. think that was the whole point as to why he did that. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, because he, the whole thing with him specifically is like, her, she introduced him to like all that uh, jazz. Uh, music, like the Delphonics, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is another great, great part of this movie. It's just the music that went
1: Oh, that. the Across 110th Street. I had never heard that song really? before. So catchy, but, Bruh, but it's the, dark. It's really dark. It I added it to my Apple Music, and okay. I was listening to the lyrics, and it's like talking about the plight not the plight, but what is actually going on in the streets? You Mm -hmm. know, it says like across 110th street, there's a pimp or across 110th street. There's, you know, like sex workers Mm -hmm. essentially. And Mm -hmm. the, at the beginning when they play it, I didn't really listen to the lyrics. Um, But
0: you do it at the end. And
1: it's catch, And at the end. The
0: end, because, I mean, there's a whole, I think it's like even maybe a minute It's a long
1: scene, yeah.
0: Of her just sitting in her car, like, mouthing the words to that song.
1: And I am curious to know the intention behind choosing that song. You know, I I do think it has some symbolism for the, you know, and maybe they do that intentionally Mm -hmm. where they don't play a certain part of it at the beginning mm-hmm. where they just played the catchy across 110 Street. Right. Mm-hmm, the and then at the end, they extended it a little bit. So that it's like, you know, referring to the more problematic sides of, mm-hmm. you know. Um,
0: Cause I, I mean, when she was sitting in the car and she was like saying, she even tears up, I think uh-huh. like at least you see it like mist in her eyes or whatever. So I'm just like, I love that song. I love it. It was great.
1: Uh-huh. I had never heard that song. And I literally like, as soon as it played, and as, you know, I watched it twice, or not twice, but halfway through, I added it the moment I heard it. Did you? And, and nice. I think that's a good, like a good sign uh, from, I don't, what do they call it, people that, that do the score? Um, Composers. Yeah, but the composer writes the music. Who chooses the music? I think the
0: director does. Uh, I was reading it, and uh, Quentin Tarantino chooses his, his music in his movies. Um, and he was saying that he, he will find a song that, what he thinks fits the tone of the movie and then he'll build off from that initial song. And I'm like and and apparently 110th Street was that song for him.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's a great song. Uh it was It really does set the tone. And it's it's hard
0: to say because the song is about something completely different than the movie itself, but really like, I don't know. Puts you in that mood of um Makes me want to commit a crime. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bobby Womack wanting me to yeah uh, mess it up, but
1: no, Bobby, I won't do it. Right. Yeah. I won't smuggle five hundred thousand dollars in from right. Mexico on a Cabo flight, Bobby.
0: Right. I'll go to 111th Street.
1: <laughs> yeah. Only four hundred ninety nine thousand dollars, Bobby.
0: Oh Lord. But there's one more thing that I want to bring up before we move on to our favorite parts and stuff, and that's the the theme of dependence in this movie really really shines through to me, in the second watching of it. Um, I'm thinking of, like, uh, Max Cherry and Ordell uh, being dependent on one another as bell bondsmen and criminal. Um, As you have to, at least with the, you know, criminal organizations that get that big, you're going to have to utilize something like that to, I don't know, because like under the guise, you know, uh, keep under the radar of officials or whatever. And I think... Max was definitely not the, um, had evil intentions throughout the whole thing, especially towards Ordell, at least. Uh, but it's funny that they have to depend on each other to, you know, one, stay in business, uh, and then to just continue on. Um, I, I think that was good. I have a few more here. Uh, I don't know if any come, um, off the top of the, off, off the top of your head. Uh, but I think uh, you know Ordell and Jackie like Ordell is dependent on Jackie to bring smuggle that money back into the country because he's mentioned in that, uh, there I think it was that opening part with him and Lewis that he he has like this dude in an offshore fishing boat off of Baja California and he goes and like puts it in Cabo San Lucas, I think it was. Um, and then that's when Jackie'll smuggle it back, but then. Jackie's also dependent on him to like. Yeah, the airline pays her, but Ordell's paying a lot more, you mm-hmm. know. So fuck, you know. Um, and I'll I'll bring up two more: Lewis and Ordell, um, uh, like Samuel and and um, Robert De Niro's character. It really doesn't make it apparent because, like I even said, the first time I watched, it, I didn't even know that they were like prison mates. But it's funny that, like, whenever he got out of prison, he had to rely on Wardell to, to, I don't know, set him up with work, so to speak. Um, and just the way that that dynamic plays out—I mean, specifically in the prison system um you know things like that yeah you know, i'm i'm even thinking about dependence in my life like shit whenever i moved back from denver i didn't have a place to stay i went and stayed at my mom's like you know it was dependent on her mm-hmm. and shit so i was like it's it's funny that this theme of dependence had, had played through the whole thing and i guess the big point i want to make is like with max cherry um, max cherry can you think of any anybody that he depends on besides his employee no i mean yeah and that and that's that's exactly what i was thinking like he really depends on himself and it's funny that we have these i just gave three codependent arguments with you know uh, a few a few select characters but max himself while i was thinking about, i definitely have to give credit to my roommate jt for (laughs) bringing up this this theme of dependence because i didn't even really you know think about it but with max specifically he doesn't have anybody to depend on
1: and he's the only one that really walks away from that at the end even when given an opportunity to continue with this, the trend of dependence and yeah. or codependence he chooses not to yeah
0: yeah okay. he, jackie straight up I, I think that's the the idea of like especially that end part like jackie and him like becoming dependent on one another and he says no it's just it's weird it's weird to I don't know, think of this movie and, and something like that, Codependence. And right, it's not... Independence. A,
1: it, it's like you said, it's not a theme that you would necessarily expect to derive from a movie like this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, you know, and I think something else that is, for me, manipulation is a huge one. Sure. You know, this whole movie is dependent on Jackie Brown's interpretation and manipulation of... of the situation she's found herself in.
0: You could even say that this movie is a story of Jackie Brown coming, uh, like starting codependent and moving into independence. Yeah. You could say that.
1: You could even say that maybe Jackie Brown had this in her head the whole time. This is how she knew she was going to get herself out of the situation before she even got stopped by Mm -hmm. the, um, the, what do you call those people? ATF. ATF?
0: Yeah, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms.
1: Oh. Well, look at you, walking, dictionary, thesaurus dude thing. I, I don't know. Like that's like common knowledge. No? No?
0: ATF, <laughs> A- I think JT had to ask me the same thing, so I, like, <laughs> I, I just feel smart. But yeah,
1: no, I mean, it, it, obviously, I don't think that's really what happened, but I think you could speculate, like, you could possibly, like, yeah, Jackie Brown knew what she was doing the whole time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think she knew what she wanted to do the whole time, just didn't didn't have that push, right? And getting arrested was that push, mm-hmm. it's, you know. And I think it's a good uh, when people are backed into a corner, um, and when they have nothing else to, or left to lose, the things that the human brain and body can do, right? Um, and I think Jackie Brown is a prime example of that. I mean, she obviously didn't go through anything physical, right? But even then, the high pressure stress. Desperation Right
0: Um, Will push you to do Things like that Yeah Yeah. Heck yeah So um, I think I don't really have anything else with the themes or characters or anything, but let's go ahead and get into our likes. Christy.
1: No, I like Melanie. <laughs> you like Melanie? That's your favorite? I love her. She's just like your... Uh, she did such a good job at portraying, you know, just like your stereotypical pothead, mm. kind of couch bum, couch surfer.
0: Be- yeah, beach bunny. Beach, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. beach
1: bum kind of person. And just from start to finish, she it like was the character she was expected to play. Mm-hmm. You know, just you know, unmotivated young woman who just wants to smoke weed and sit on a couch all day. And she even says it like, this is my motivation. Like, this is what uh, I want to yeah. do for a living. <laughs> like, right? I'm like, Your
0: motivation is to smoke weed then. And, <laughs> and watch whatever. TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No,
1: seriously. I was like, that is like the most relatable content I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like,
0: I, none of, none of them thinking of it. Um, I'll, all the characters really kind of play to that, but you were talking about earlier about methane acting. I think every single one of those characters really like, I don't know, does it pretty well. Um,
1: Robert De Niro maybe less so, but I would even ar- I would argue that the two biggest name actors in this movie, well, um, male actors, were probably the most underwhelming for me um you you didn't like Cordell as much no not not at all um like i said the ponytail was one that was a choice Uh, but even like his acting style it just felt somehow exaggerated and also lackluster at the same time like as if he were trying too hard but not getting the the message across Mm um like this normal guy trying to be a gangbanger, essentially. Right. But then again, I think that's kind of the point because Melanie does mention that yes. where she's like, he thinks he's this big international gun trader, mm-hmm. you know, and he's making this huge deal out of 500 grand. But in reality, in that world, that's a drop in a bucket.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. And that, That's exactly what I was about to bring up. Yeah. And, yeah,
1: and I think that may have been the point. And so, if you take it from that perspective, then sure, he did a great fucking job. Yeah. But, But yeah, no, like you said, I kind of agree with you. Lewis's character, just nothing special about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I'm the complete opposite. I love Samuel L. Jackson. No, I love David. I, lo- I love it because it is so outrageous. I love the little, like, rat tail goatee yeah. thing. And, and just, there's, I think, one portion of the movie where he straightens his hair and it's not in the ponytail. <laughs> and it's just like, it's all wavy. I'm like, dude, that one part, I was like, whoa, that's some, that's some hair,
1: yo. Um, but. Well, and- I don't know about you, but the hat choices that that man makes throughout the movie, c- questionable. I, I don't understand. Do you
0: see any particular one in your mind's eye right now?
1: Oh, yeah. The red fedora. Um, oh. Oh. Uh, I believe he's walking through the mall.
0: It's uh, What do you call those things? Um because Pam Greer has one similar to it. It's like the Adidas
1: one. Actually, I don't even know if it's called a fedora. It, the fedora um, is like a, a, a it's a certain hat. Um, I it, think it's the one like it looks like you put a sock over a a, a hat that a, like a build hat. Oh yeah 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Um, There's got to be a name for this, David. Yeah, I was about to say. I didn't do my research. Sorry, this is not exactly where I expected the conversation to go.
0: Yeah, I have no fucking clue. I have no fucking clue what that is. Uh, you'll you'll see it. I have uh, the show notes, or excuse me, not the show notes. The the artwork for this episode. It'll it'll have uh, Pam Greer and Samuel L. Jackson, um, and
1: they. Uh, I found the hat, David. I just don't know what it's called. It's right here. That ugly thing. Oh, a newsboy cap. A news cap. Oh um,
0: yeah yeah It's like well, British people used to wear.
1: That sounds like a. A stereotype, David. Is that factually, like, historically correct? That all those kids used to wear uh, order, order, order. <laughs> oh my God, newspapers. Uh, yeah, news yeah get your newspapers. Do you know what I googled to find that? What ugly hat names? <laughs> <laughs> and literally, the first thing that comes up is a herringbone flat newsboy hat. Oh God! Oh God!
0: Oh, that one's hideous too. But I think uh, so. I think that that newsboy cap looks great on um, pam pam greer wears like an all black like it, it looks like a tracksuit kind of um but she has that like all black outfit whenever she's running through the that dry run or whatever at the beginning or like middle of the damn
1: mid- good the whole movie and that whole movie whole suit that, she wore at the end br- yes that was the an suit. executive
0: ma'am right that suit and then she wore a red dress um when she came and bitched at Ortel in uh-huh. his apartment um Oh, my gosh. Just Pam Greer. She looks so great. Right. right. I
1: don't want to objectify that woman, but her body is <laughs> stunning. Like, she has a, a figure that so many women would love to have. Oh, yeah. Um, And for her being portrayed as, like, a 40-year-old woman, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what how old she actually was in the movie, but, I mean, not in the— I, mean, I really, think
0: she was, like, 40s, late 40s. Yeah. I mean, people. she just
1: looked fantastic and, you know, like, she was the apple of every man's eye in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of like uh Ordell says, he's like, Man, you probably have to keep guys like have security guards keeping guys off of you in this bar on Saturday night. And she's right. like, I do all right. I'm <laughs> like girl. <laughs> Shit. Um uh,
0: we mentioned the soundtrack. I really I really love the soundtrack. But uh the last thing I want to mention is um I really enjoy the like, during that money exchange portion of the movie towards the end, um, the where they, they'll, they'll play a whole section, that whole thing, start to finish through one person's POV, mm-hmm. and then they'll switch. it. That's, like, a really big part of, like, noir movies back in the day, like 1950s um, noir movies, like, suspense kind of things. I think this is, he had mentioned it, that that's also a play on, you know, he wanted to pay homage to those sort of movies as well and i i really like that part where we go through each because lewis and lewis and no he goes jackie's perspective it goes lewis and melanie and then it goes to max's Mm -hmm. um and i i just really love that whenever whenever you start back over from the beginning that first time you're just like oh okay okay so we're gonna get different little snippets of the right. of the bit and we had to put it together and, and it I helped really
1: build it. the story each time you know yeah you're watching the same scene essentially or the same
0: area uh, of that department occurrence story, happening
1: you know? yeah mm-hmm. but from a different perspective each time and it's kind of like with jackie you know you're looking at melanie's heels and then you see melanie actually pacing in there to get pick up that bag and then mm-hmm. you see um what is the bail bondsman dude? I can, max cherry, max cherry. How do you remember his name with such ease? Never I wrote mind. it down. <laughs> 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 I was like, never mind. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you see him watching them argue and mm-hmm. her pacing and, and setting this up essentially, uh, But man, if I could walk away with five hundred grand that easy, shit. Even forty thousand, I'd take the fucking forty thousand. I didn't even take the town. But they were all marked bills anyways, they were trying to set them up, so it was just a
0: Um so I guess Christy, I like a lot. But I also dislike a lot. Um speaking of Max Cherry, I did not I didn't like his character one, but I really didn't like the the part of the money heist with him because he really didn't provide much. I mean, yeah, he gave us a little snippet into Melanie and, and Lewis's like dynamic, like but, from an outside's perspective. But, um, other than that, kind of pretty lame going to pick up the towels, that the towels, quote unquote towels that were left in the, the dressing room. Um, but
1: yeah. the setup at the end, could that have happened without Max Sherry?
0: Uh, uh fair, fair. That's a good point to put. um
1: Yeah, I don't know because I'm also curious for whatever. I don't know if this is maybe my f- incorrect interpretation of the movie. The forty thousand that was given to Ordell, those were marked bills, and it wasn't just the ten thousand that he gave him to set him up, right?
0: Yeah, I think the. Yeah, it was that 50k like usual drop. The those that 50k was marked, but that 450k um that was under the beach towels. Those were that No, was, so
1: that's my point because mm. remember they brought she smuggled in 550k. Right. And I think 50 of it was marked. Right. Because that was from the ATF, right? Yeah. And so for whatever reason I think in that exchange the m- bills that she gave him were not marked and that's why the ten thousand because they had to get him with marked bills. Oh good point. Him that this was indeed the money that was smuggled in from Cabo, you know, from Jackie Brown. Right. But right, I don't right. know that for sure. I think that may just be my interpretation of it. David's throwing laptops yeah, I'm about to throw my
0: laptop across the room <laughs> That's me every day at work. Uh what about you, Christy? What do you um dislike about this movie?
1: not that i just like it i i think it's um it's a long movie and it doesn't escalate like you know it's um i think kind of the same pace throughout which is both a good and bad thing i think it's really important for a storyline to have you know a little bit of downtime have that build the climax and then you know kind of the resolution phase essentially Mm -hmm. um and i don't feel like you really get that in the movie and when you do like the resolution the climax happens and then the movie's over yeah. Oh no! Sorry. The climax happens. There's awkward kissing, and then the movie's over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it's funny that you say that, though, because I I do find it's not just this movie in particular, but all like a lot of Tarantino movies. They're just they have really bad pacing,
1: <laughs> and that might just be his brand, like his thing, and and why he gets
0: sometimes. Sometimes it's needed though, because like you're sitting through this. Like I'm thinking of Django whenever Leonard DiCaprio and him are um Jamie Foxx and him are at that table and he's they're sticking with this whole dinner scene for like ten minutes. Like literally the camera I don't think the camera cuts for a little while. And it builds the suspense in it. This one it it does it in parts, sure. Um i'm trying to think of a specific part like
1: mostly the gun pointing scenes
0: yeah whenever she still max, she steals uh max jerry's gun and ordell comes over to kill her tries
1: to kill her yeah because i mean he turns off the light he keeps turning off he keeps the light. turning off
0: the lights yeah and so
1: it makes you it gives this very sinister vibe like he's about to do something to her if he's i mean obviously she's such an important part of the movie mm-hmm. so you know he's I think you could speculate she's not. He's not going to kill her, okay. but something traumatic could happen, and that could essentially set the scene for you know Jackie Brown becoming vindictive or revenge because you don't really know what's going on, mm-hmm. especially with the Quentin Tarantino movie where you know like from *Dust Till Dawn* where there's a, such a twist. I expected that twist the whole time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. outside of the manipulation factor, where you know, yeah, this woman has mastermind this entire heist essentially or scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no twist. Yeah. Um, and yep. so that was a little disappointing for me. I, I, I think I came in with really high expectations for that and then. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it, let you down. It failed me. Ah, well. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, I think that's maybe a part of Tarantino's movies, but I don't, I don't care for it.
1: I mean, well, something it, to research. Right. So is there anything else
0: you want to bring up, uh, before we kind of get into the closing segments here?
1: No, but thanks for the recommendation. Um, You know, like I said, it's kind of something that I wouldn't have chosen for myself and out of my comfort zone, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just always good to have you know, something new, whether it's a genre or a movie or like a specific genre movie or music or whatever, because it makes you that much more well-rounded as a person. It's another thing that I can talk to someone about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, oh, I love Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh, so You'll be able to bring yeah, a black exploitation film. I've films, watched so three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, count them down. Which ones have you seen? Which ones do you like? You know, I think it's just important to have that, that realm of knowledge just so it makes you... Just more experience as a person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, classic? No. No. no, Not a classic. Not a classic. No, I mean, you don't hear people like, oh, have you seen Jackie Brown? Well, I'm
0: asking you, do you think it's classic? So, we're going to get into the closing segments. Do you think it's classic or it's a bust? Uh,
1: You need a middle category, David. Nope. Because it's not either. Either or. I can't do it. I refuse. You refuse. I refuse. Well, I'm going to say it's a classic for you. You can't, you can't speak I, for th- me. I think it's I mean, David does the editing so he can speak for me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> classic bust. You can choose one. <laughs> um, who do you think the least important character is? Lewis. Lewis? Lewis. Uh, yeah. Argue, well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think he, like I said, I don't think he plays a huge role in the progression of the storyline.
0: I under I understand that argument a hundred percent.
1: You're gonna say Max Cherry, aren't you? No, I'm gonna say
0: Sharonda.
1: I don't I wouldn't say she's a main character though she doesn't have a significant part other than you know her like dancing around in front of Lewis
0: that's Simone but oh oh shit Um, Sharonda's that one who was really awkward during that first test run and she was like put the bag under the table it
1: puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again yeah those (laughs) two
0: characters in particular Simone and
1: Sharonda I was really going back and forth between the two see and I wouldn't even make the consideration for them as being you know uh important to the movie whatsoever. So I wouldn't even like if you asked me like, that question again, I would only take into consideration significant characters David. Why oh, are you smiling okay. at me like that? I don't, <laughs> I don't,
0: I don't know Chris. I, it's uh, I just think it's funny. <laughs> um, let's uh, last, actually second to last closing segment, standout moments. Standout moments. I think that Lou's killing Melanie in the parking lot. That's a big.
1: Oh, fuck yeah. That was a shocker. It was so Um, unnecessary. And and so
0: quick. So quick, too. Because he just.
1: Mall parking lot. He, pops her twice.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he puts up with it for so long. And then, like, literally, like in a sec, he's like, right. You don't say another word. And she, like, mumbles. And he's like, That's it. And
1: it, it's, it's such a, a deviation from his character up to that point. Yeah. He's so lazy. And, you know, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't go to a job. He doesn't mm-hmm. do, he, he smokes weed. He fucks her. And literally, up until it's time for the heist. He's like that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, once Ordell's like, yo, y'all got to fucking be here, he turns into this completely Stress different monster. person. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a part of the character development or just the, or the, you know. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Or he'd the realization so of he'd, his character. He'd been yeah. so
0: calm up until that
1: point. And that might be, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, he's just a normal person. And then once it, at the part of his brain c- kicks in where it's like... Oh, you know, uh, do or die. Right. Fight or flight. Mm-hmm. He's a fighter. Right. Um Yeah. And mm. I think he recognized that with Ordell where there was no, like, there was no playing around. It was his money and he was willing to kill whoever it was to his, get it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think they kind of shine light on that in the van too, where mm. um he's like, did you have to do it? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. Well, you we better hope she's dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, one of my oh, other and-
0: favorite parts is is we talked about it earlier where um, Jackie still smacks his gun and Ordell comes to try and kill her. I like you said the Ordell flipping off the flat or the lights in the apartment like multiple times and her turning them back on. It's just like. Oh, that makes you so uneasy.
1: Yeah, I was literally about to say so uneasy, like my exact words. But I also love the way that's filmed, you know, with the like ominous lighting in Mm -hmm. the background where you can just see their shadows. And, you know, her pushing them up against like a window or something. Mm -hmm. And I I really, so that is like, I think one of my favorite scenes. And then, of course, anything with Melanie involved, just because she was hilarious and Mm -hmm. great and fit that role. Right. So, so well, but... Um, David, we didn't do trivia. No, we're getting to oh, right it. We're right here. I, wanna, I'm eager you, for trivia.
0: I want you to hear your trivia first because apparently you said it's just off the walls awesome.
1: It, it Wow. Now I'm going to disappoint everybody, David, because it's not that great. Tell, Tell me. me. It's a one liner trivia. Is it? Yes. Tell me. The casting director for this production, his mm-hmm. name is Jackie Brown. Like, exact same spelling and everything? You know the answer to this question. It's J.C. Brown, but it's Jackie Brown. uh, You told
0: me this. Okay, all right. I wasn't expecting that.
1: Well, no. I'm like, it makes me curious to know. You had kind of given a little bit of, like, history as to how it was named or the reference Mm -hmm. that tarantino was playing paying, paying homage Foxy to brown
0: movie she was on
1: but i'm like what's the coincidence of the casting director for jackie brown's name being jackie brown like come on maybe jackie
0: brown the the costume designer the costume director was just like hey tarantino ha 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 <laughs>
1: you know you really resemble this character that i'm trying to portray here i think your name is perfect let's do it right i'm trying to think of like other movies that are people's names Hmm. You know, I don't know. Not many. Not but many. But I, if I find a list, I'm going to look and see if the casting director's name is that movie. That person. Name.
0: Yeah. I love it. So. Uh, my piece of trivia is that Samuel L. Jackson names this movie his favorite Quentin Tarantino movie.
1: Because he, well, is he only in The One?
0: No, he's in like oh, all of them. A, really? Yeah, pretty much all of them. I think he's not, he's not in Glorious Bastards. He's not in, I don't think he's in pulp fiction i don't know that he's in from dust till dawn either yep no no but i i like quentin tarantino that excuse me i like quentin tarantino movies but i just uh i think this is my favorite tarantino movie like i i no. like bastards i i i like Pulp Fiction.
1: How have you seen Selma Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn? She makes that movie, David. Mm. There is you, no you comparison. Hear,
0: I just like you. I didn't know that twist going in From Dust Till Dawn. <sighs> I don't don't spoil it here, but it's a good one. If you haven't watched it, it's good. Quentin Tarantino f- is in it with wh- what's the other guy's name? Um, he's in the Ocean's Eleven movies or Ocean's <laughs> movies.
1: Uh, there's George Clooney George Clooney Right George Clooney yeah, I mean it's Quint a big cast It's a yeah. huge cast mm-hmm. uh, You have the Cheech and Chong dude Also the uncle <gasps> Uncle oh. Felix From Spy Kids I gotta make a Spy Kids Reference on here uh, Every episode I've done <laughs> or a conversation Every time I hung out with you Spy Kids is on like <laughs> I'm so
0: upset, upsetty spaghetti that we we did not catch the my rant about Spy Kids 3D I from last know. episode. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah,
1: Cheech Marin, um, Quentin Tarantino. Well, oh, Quentin Tarantino is in from Dust Till Dawn.
0: Yeah, he's George Clooney's brother.
1: Oh yeah, the crazy one. Yeah, Duh. crazy. Yeah, crazy. Well. I didn't know he he was in that. Um, t- yeah, Danny Trejo, Salma Hayek. Um, Weird. I didn't realize there was a character's name in the movie called Sex Machine. Oh, not that's not a, this, that's not a Danny movie. Trejo's character. No, Danny Trejo is Razor Charlie. Oh,
0: well, well. other
1: movie, not relevant, not
0: relevant <laughs> but nonetheless, great one. So, Christy, if you don't have anything else, um, firstly, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the You Haven't Seen That Movie podcast.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, also, a big thank you to Christy for joining me today. Thank you for being back on for a second time. I'm sure we'll see you on here for a third. Yeah. Thanks for
1: having me, David. Aww.
0: Um, If you want to show your support for the You Haven't Seen That Movie podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. Also, join our Facebook and Instagram pages to know when new episodes go live. Um, yeah, I'm... My Instagram handle is Wawa Waters, W A W A W A T E R S. Do you wanna throw yours out or not?
1: I don't do social media. You don't do social media? I have Snapchat, but you can't have my Snapchat. I have your Snapchat. Oh you can have my Snapchat, but I'm gonna just like blast it onto the world. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, I charge no (laughs) free content.
0: (laughs) Oh Lord uh me too. Uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will pay you to put it back on, David. <laughs> right. hey, hey.
0: Whatever whatever I get money. Shoot. Sure. Um like this movie, hate it. Uh let us know by calling our voicemail. Uh both Instagram and Facebook literally have call buttons, so it couldn't be easier. But other than that, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. The You Haven't Seen That movie podcast is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. All of Waters Media shows are funded by you over on Patreon at patreon.com slash wdm1. The following names are at the highest tier, the producer
1: level, and I am humbled. Thanks, Hughes. Sharon.